Okay, well, welcome to Cybersecurity Business with Kevin. Kevin, I'm Kevin West, the CEO of Paylogix, and I'm here with Kevin Poucher, our CEO. Uh, in our podcast, we interview CISOs and other security leaders to hear their advice about the business of information security. This podcast gives our listeners actionable takeaways to help them increase the effectiveness of their security program. Thanks, KW. So the game plan for today will be to discuss identity and access management. And so we're joined by John Masserini, the CISO of Millicom. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, gentlemen. So John, before we get into the topic of today, and we definitely are looking for uh, your advice and uh, your effective leadership, specifically in identity and access management, but we want to give our listeners a little bit of context. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about Millicom? Sure. So uh, Millicom is a global uh, telecommunication cell phone provider, uh, primarily in uh, Latin America and Africa. Uh, so we offer not only uh, mobile service, mobile cell phone service, uh, but also uh, uh, cable uh, to the home and uh, a lot of mobile financial payment services as well. Great. And tell us what your vision for your security program is uh, for, for Millicom. So the vision here, uh, quite honestly, is a little bit different than historically what I'm accustomed to. We have uh, 14 operations uh, throughout Latin America and Africa, uh, each with their own uh, local requirements, uh, local business drivers, uh, and local challenges. The program here from a global perspective uh, is very much around providing guidance and a direction globally uh, for all of the operations while still uh, providing a uh, capability of them to have enough flexibility and freedom to do what they need to for their local businesses, local regulations, and you know, local risk and security challenges. Great, so a global operation like that must be uh, hard to manage from a security standpoint. So leadership I'm sure is very important. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, the, the reality is it's it's about having a cohesive strategy, whether it's, you know, managed security services, whether it's identity access management, vulnerability management, it's really about being able to bring, you know, find a common, uh, a common level uh, for all of the operations and really bring together uh, a global view of overall risk and, understand how it impacts the company as a whole, as well as the local operations uh, business drivers. Okay, thanks, John. So let's jump into why we're here, and that's uh, uh, discussing identity and access management. So I think we'd like to hear uh, from, your, from your perspective uh, why this is important, and, and then further what, why it's a challenge. So in terms of why this is important, if I'm your CEO, uh, what, why do I care? <laughs> Great question. Why do you care? Uh, why do I care? Uh, as you know, the, the reality is, as we, uh, as all of these operations and enterprises, really 
lose the perimeter, right? We've in the security industry, we've spoken about that for years that the, the perimeter is disappearing. And when I come into an operation like this, or you know, even uh, a, a lot of operations these days, between managed services, uh, cloud services, uh, third-party uh, relationships, you know, really understanding who your users are, what access they have, and the rights they have, is is kind of foundational for applying a, a solid security model throughout the organization. Now, we're we're you know years away uh, from being able to say, oh, our, you know, the, the old M&M model, right? The, the hard outer shell and we trusted everybody on the inside and, and kind of knew what was going on. You know, that's fundamentally gone. Uh, it's been years since we've been able to really rely on that model. So when you look at, you know, everything we uh, base our decisions on is really around the access to the right environments, the right applications, the right data elements. And that's all really founded on identity and access management. Uh, we have to understand who uh, our users are, whether they're our employees, our service providers, uh, you know, third-party partners who are just you know, providing a, 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 some random service, um, and really be able to understand uh, and really validate and, and monitor the access they have. Uh, you know, in, in this day and age, you know, it really is when we look at the access uh, or the uh, the attacks that we're we're seeing these days. It's really around people trying to get those privileged accounts, whether they start off with a, a regular account and eventually escalate, whether they're able to get you know root or admin somewhere. It's really about that those credentials and that identity is really gold for them. So when we look at really mitigating our risk, and when I look at my board and my CEO and talk about risk mitigation, it really is around understanding who has access to what. It's not about firewalls, it's not about you know WAFs or IDSs or any of that kind of stuff anymore. It's really about allowing our businesses, especially in an environment like this, allowing our businesses to have access that they need uh, when they need it, but only what they need to get their job done. So is that is that something that an executive understands? It seems pretty logical that to get that visibility is important in order to secure and reduce risk. Most executives understand the need for partnerships. Uh, so they understand how uh, we're not a, a self-contained business any longer, right? Whether it's, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty accustomed to uh, whether it's Office 365 or Google or whatever shared service that a lot of us use in our personal lives, they can relate to that. So getting them to understand conceptually how we have partners and providers that work in that same model isn't a stretch the way it was, say, five years ago. Uh, it, it really is something that you can relate to their personal aspects. Getting them to understand that you know we, you have you know you have controls over who can see your Google Docs drive, right? Uh, that when you relate that to the infrastructure here, how you know we don't want we might have competitors in our environment uh, doing two different things, 
but we need to make sure they can both do their jobs that we've hired them to do, but yet not necessarily cross those boundaries. They get that. They understand it because you can really in this day and age relate it to what they do in a, in a personal level. So you had alluded to this being um, uh, more of a program than a function of technology. I think that's what I heard. Um, so does does that does this require full time people? And should those people be in security, a different department, or does this cross pollinate between departments? It, it's absolutely a program. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not, you know, obviously technology plays a role, but it's not where the case where we can throw a piece of technology in there and assume it's fixed and, and walk away. Uh, this is a, a program that has, from a security perspective, absolutely has people who monitor it and manage it. Uh, the whole identity access scope, though, really does permeate the company. Um, we have a great relationship with our human resources team because when they're setting up, when they're onboarding employees, offboarding employees, whenever employees change, uh, you know, it's critical that uh, as they update uh, the HR system, all, you know, all that flows right into an identity management system. So they have to, uh, they really have to understand what they're doing and, and the importance of roles uh, in their system. Uh, when we when all of that flows over, there's still a process that occurs with our corporate IT staff. They're creating accounts. They might be adding different roles depending upon uh, what the manager has requested or, or a specific job function that couldn't automatically be provisioned. Uh, so there's definitely a cross-pollinization. In, in my case, there is even uh, an aspect of it that happens locally at each operation. The bulk of the work um, you know, will come from HR. We'll get corporate IT involved as well, who will do the, uh, more of the provisioning. And then the final part is done by the local operations. If they're, you know, if, if they're in, say, Bolivia or Paraguay, that team will ensure that they have all of their local privileges that we don't necessarily control at the corporate level. Uh, I would argue that um, identity and access management is probably um, the best use case when it comes to the, the cross-pollinization uh, throughout the company. Uh, you know, my, you know, it, the, the, the HR team was kind of excited when, when we started sitting and talking about it uh, because they usually don't get that interaction where here we're going to rely pretty heavily on, on the job they do uh, to make the whole rest of the process more streamlined. So it's, it's definitely a program. Uh, the folks on uh, my team uh, spend more time of uh, the managing and monitoring it, making sure the roles are provisioned right, uh, maybe sure the making sure the uh, the manager attestation and workflows are followed correctly. Uh, all for you know evidence. You know, IAM plays a large part of of SOX, Sarbanes Oxley. So when you look at people coming in doing a, an, an audit to make sure we're SOX compliant, they want to see the evidence that. The manager approved the roles that it you know was done you know as automated as possible, but there was also an attestation afterwards that the roles were reviewed and set up correctly. So it's absolutely a a um, a program and as well as uh, multifaceted throughout the organization. 
So you said something pretty interesting that HR got excited at the possibility of uh, a workflow like this. Were, was your team instrumental in, in bringing this to HR or did HR come to you with a problem? How, how, does, how did that come about? Yeah, it was it, it was kind of mutual to be honest with you. Uh, we knew we had to uh, take a take a, a a bigger picture approach at at the problem, rather than just throwing more people at it to to turn the requests around more or or to do the scrubbing or to do the cleanup. Uh, we had to, you know, it was more of a core, root core problem. Um, at the same time the HR team is going through, was going through an effort of identifying a new platform, uh, really modernizing their entire technology infrastructure. Uh, so in, in the effort of building the whole global security program, uh, during one of my uh, conversations with the HR team, you know, we kind of got in, on the same page and went, wow, we have a real opportunity here to fix this at a very foundational level. Uh, and and that that actually led to a lot of excitement, a lot of dialogue. Um, they are on my project team. I am on their project team. Uh, so it's actually created a, a really unique uh, working relationship that um, I can't say I've really had in other organizations. Uh, there, there's a lot of excitement around it. So, you know, this uh, this problem. It's a big problem. It's we talked about multiple departments. What in a less mature organization or potentially a new CISO coming into an organization that hasn't yet tackled this problem, where do they start and what what do you think the, the building blocks for a strong program are? Wow, great question. Uh, so, you know, the, the building blocks and, and where do you start are really around trying to understand uh, and, and putting an effort into really knowing where your identities are, right? And when you walk into an organization, um, you know, the, the presumption would be, you know, most organizations don't have a, a, a very mature identity management uh, program in place. Um, it's typically based around whether it's Active Directory or some sort of LDAP, you know, there's typically a centralized area where the email accounts are stored and network access is stored. But once you, once you get away from that, things get very disparate very quickly, uh, whether it's two-factor authentication run by the networking team or uh, some you know, local application where you have to set up and maintain your you know, standalone credentials, whatever it is, um, it's really about spending time to understand where they all are, right? And, and we're not just talking about user accounts, we're talking about all the way down to, uh, you know, SSH keys, right? So, you know, you walk around and, and, you know, there's a very good possibility that if your admins are using SSH, that there are keys on, ser on servers that probably, you know, have never been updated, uh, renewed, or folks have left and their keys are still in the environment, right? So understanding everything about your identity space takes time. It really does. Uh, and it's, it's not an easy thing to get a hold of. Uh, it really is around 
making sure that those responsible uh, for the applications, for the network side. You know, in, in a lot of ways, it's not very different uh, from from really an asset inventory system, right? You you know what assets you have. You need to know what users you have. Uh, building that takes time, just like an asset inventory does. Uh, it, yeah, it's 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 a painful process, to be honest with you. Yeah, a lot of people are you know challenged. A lot of CISOs that we've interviewed for our magazine and in general conversation, you know, identifying assets. Uh, in applications is a big challenge for large to mid to large enterprise organizations. But the the uh, thing I wonder is out of what I heard is when do you know or how do you know if your identity and access management program is at peak maturity? Since it is, you know, it's it, uh, a component of it is the hard work in the weeds. How do you know when it's really matured from a process and uh, um, operationalization standpoint. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I would ever consider something like that mature. I, I really don't. I, as I said, there's a you know resources in my team that are going to be dedicated to constantly making sure we you know identify and and uncover those outliers. Um, I, I don't know. You know, we're a. You know, we have 14 different operations for a seven billion dollar company uh you understanding what every operation does uh is is super challenging even with the local teams right uh there's you know events incidents you have to deal with there's projects being rolled out there's a whole litany of things that those teams are are focused on other than uh identity so finding the time to do that is always a challenge, which is one of the reasons it's, it's centrally located, right? Making sure that there is a person and having the conviction to being able to defend that resource. Uh, you know, everybody has budget cuts. Everybody is you know, challenged with resourcing right now. But really having the conviction to make sure there's someone dedicated to doing that and tying things in. There's always ways, whether it's, um, IP allocation, whether it's you know tying in with your network team to find new URLs that are being rolled out into you know your environment through DNS or whatever, there are there there always seems to be a way to find the 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 projects that kind of go around the process, and there, that's where your bigger problem is, right? You can put the process in, you could you can be that uh, that monitor and say, oh. You know, new application, you know, new database, you're going to need users for that. Um, you know, tracking, that's almost the easier part than the outliers, right? But, you know, finding the outliers, building those relationships with your networking team. So you get the emails going, hey, by the way, we just added this new URL, you know, kind of came in through the side channel. What do you want to do with it? That's really the kind of way where, you know, it's, it's imperative to build those kind of relationships. You're, we're never going to be perfect. Uh, I've I've given up on being perfect many many years ago. Um, you know, it, it's really about helping people understand. And and honestly, you're going to get to a point where people don't want to go around the process because it's too it's more painful to go around it than it is to follow it. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we get to that point soon. So John, what uh, we're we're we have a few more questions, but. 
in everything that has been covered in uh, these last 20 minutes, what haven't we asked? What do people need to know, people in your position, uh, that maybe are just starting to enter into this, um, this conversation and this program, uh, you know, with a new set of rules, uh, the perimeter gone, digital transformation accelerating, you know, what, what haven't we asked or haven't you covered that, you know, they should really think about or know? Uh, so I, identity is, you know, identity is more than just active directory. Uh, I think that's a real, that's something that kind of gets lost pretty quickly. Um, you know, I've seen some organizations kind of, you know, brush their hands and go, hey, we got AD and, and you know, we're at that 50 or 60% mark and, and we're good. Um, you know, really understanding, you know, really understanding your privileged accounts, I would say is, is, you know, probably, you know, if it's not the highest priority, it's probably just a step under it. Um, you know, that's, that's the super critical aspect of it, right? Because again, yeah, they can, you know, the, the bad guys can, can do some damage if they get a secretary's email account and send a spam to the whole company. But they really want that admin's account. They really want to understand and, and, and figure out how they can get uh, the elevator privileges on those critical servers. So what are you doing about privilege, right? And, and it's not one or the other. Um, that's part of the maturity process, to be honest with you. Uh, really trying to figure out how to tie privilege into the whole IAM solution. Uh, is critical. Um, I would say don't forget about uh, your cloud or you know AWS or, or Google environments, right? They are, um, there's no real reason that they should be out of scope for any IAM project. Um, yes, it's a touch more complicated to make sure that they're uh, under the under the guise of your IAM program. Uh, but it's not anything that is insurmountable. Uh, it takes a little bit of focus, a little bit of understanding, uh, but it's just absolutely as critical as everything that's on the inside of your infrastructure. Um, right. And and lastly, I would say, you know, it, it's from a from a technology perspective, a um, lot of value uh, in you know really pulling those logs uh, into your sim. Really understanding, uh, you know, wanting to understand what happens when you know, someone hits that five or eight or ten uh, attempt limit. Uh, you know, after three or four attempts, they finally get in. You know, that the whole, you know, user behavior analytics is is nice, but you need to start at a, at a decent spot before they really go. You know, really provide the value. They they take a while to learn. There are some very fundamental things that you can do um, from a from a pure log management side that can alert you to identities uh, being uh, either attacked or used inappropriately. So I would say don't overlook the simple things. Don't you know if you go out and buy this big old tool, it's not necessarily going to solve those problems. Um, you probably got plenty of data, plenty of logs, and plenty of logic in your tools already to at least give you some heads up onto how your identities are being used or abused. 
Right, that's good insight. So we have one last question for you, John. If you look into your personal crystal ball, um, how do you see the future of identity and access management evolving? Well, I hope it gets easier. That's for darn sure. Um, you, you know, it's um, you know we are building on you know twenty years, thirty years of uh, you know eight character passwords and all that other stuff. So really, you know, seeing identities evolve into uh, the, a, a a common shared identity. Uh, you know, I would, um, you know, there are, and there are a lot of protocols out there that do that, but, you know, the reality is I don't necessarily want my third-party partners or consultants that come in here. I don't want to necessarily add them to my environment if I can trust the environment they're coming from, right? So how do, how do we figure out how we can truly associate uh, an identity to a person rather than a user um, it is really kind of... Um, you know, what I'm looking for, because then we can do things like true real-time adaptive authentication, right? Um, if, if my CEO is checking his email from, from Columbia one day, and an hour later he's checking his email from Miami, something's wrong, right? That's the stuff I want to be able to find immediately, right? Being able to do adaptive authentication and really bringing AI into to doing some of that or machine learning is is that's where I think we're heading. Um, I think people are kind of getting wound up in, in being good enough right now and building some some you know manual models, but that's kind of where I see the industry going. Really being able to pull all this together, um, give give me that information about. Uh, really usage behavior in a real world immediate kind of response you know if I look at if I look at what I want right now again I want to be able you know my admin if he's if I have an admin logging in it at 3 a.m. in the morning I want to make sure it's them right? I, I, I whether it's from a from a ticket being punched or you know uh, an alert being raised it's out of it's out of the norm I want to be able to react to that uh, that's that's kind of where I hopefully see it, um, you know, I envision it, it's going there. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around some, some you know, user behavior analytic vendors uh, that are kind of pushing in that direction if they don't get sidetracked. Um, so hopefully that's the way we'll see things evolve over the next three to five years. Well, if there's one thing I know, vendors tend to get sidetracked, so hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> Uh, KP, do you have anything to add beyond this before um, we wrap it up? I don't. I think we're um, we're hitting our time limit. All right. Well, uh, John, if there's not anything else, we we greatly appreciate uh, your time today and your insight. And uh, for those of you listening, you can learn more about this episode and our other CISO interviews on our webs our website, klogicsecurity.com/podcast.